You're watching Global Trade This Week with Pete Mento and Doug Draper. Hello, everyone. I'm Pete Mento, and with me is my good friend, Doug Draper. That's right. The adults are back home. So, <laughs> Keenan, uh, thank you for doing such a great job last week. Uh, Doug, thank you for keeping him, him on the straight and narrow. Mm-hmm. I was away. I was in Chicago at a sales call. I could not make a regularly scheduled show. Doug, I, mia culpa, mia culpa, mia maxima culpa. I'm, I'm, I'm so very sorry for that, friend. No, you guys we, did a great job. We, ma- we made it through. Keenan, Keenan crushed it. Keenan crushed let's, it. So. Let's not get carried away. The problem with these millennials and Gen Zs and Zuma rumors or whatever they are, they've just had way too much encouragement their whole lives. I don't think he needs any more encouragement. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. It was well, satisfactory. Okay. It was satisfactory. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. All right. Some people, some people have a place behind the scenes for a reason, Doug. Mm-hmm. Yes. And he's actually behind the scenes in the great uh, town of Breckenridge, Colorado, um, as he's watching the snowfall right now. So Oof. that is. Oof. Yes. Snow. Ah, humbug. Pr- yes. Well, pretty soon we'll both be in the snow. Me, Keenan, not you. So, no, no, I'll be, be in here. Virginia. Where if it snows, everyone has a heart attack. So yeah, there won't be there won't be any snow for me, pal. Yeah, cool, good, all right. Well, this is the the uh, Thanksgiving edition. So um, if it's not completely obvious, we'll probably have a little Thanksgiving chatter at halftime. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, buddy. Well, listen, I kicked it off, which means it's your turn to go first this week. So what do you and Troy got for us? All right, man, I'm going to drop the uh, drop the gauntlet. Sounds very confrontational. So I'm going to do a moonshot here and tell everybody that this holiday shopping season is going to lift spirits for first quarter of 2024. And here's here's what I'm why I'm saying that. So there was some and and I'll make a caveat. I think Adobe was the uh or 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 wired can't remember i saw that this morning when i was reading about this so like where do these numbers come from so in um october 23 or excuse me october 22 that month there was 72 billion dollars of e-commerce spend and in october of 23 there was 76 billion dollars of e-commerce spend they're expecting that trend to continue in november and into december um, mobile, which uh, is not surprising, is up 10%. There's uh, price decreases of 6% on average from consumer goods to apparel, um, household appliances and things of that nature. And inventories that were exploded post-COVID because forecasting was just out of whack with the consumer buying habits. Those are starting to mellow because of a uh, third prime days that kicked off in, uh, I think, was that in October or November? When was October. the recent Prime Days? October. Yeah, yeah. So October, Prime Days, you shoot it up. That's part of the reason that that $4 billion spend. So my point here, Pete, is that even though there's macroeconomics issues that are going on, everybody talks about what the Fed's going to do on the interest rate, You know how stable is the economy, yada, 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 which are very important. If you look at what consumers are doing, they're gobbling up the inventory as retailers present it to themselves or present it to them, and that's starting to balance out inventories, I think we're going to see a pretty stable um, consumer buying season for the holidays. 
And um, I think Q4 is going to roll some positive vibes into the first part of 2024 that will impact the macroeconomics uh, that drives the headline news uh, uh, day in and day out. So strategic, deliberate are a couple of words that I would uh, use in how consumers are buying in this quarter. And I think that's going to speak well. I think there's going to be positive news about what consumers are doing. And that positive news is going to come in first quarter, specifically at the end of January. I think you have uh, a Holocaust expected in February. So I think we're going to have some good news before that. Um, But that's my take. It's going to be a good holiday season. And that's going to reflect positively in Q1, which is going to help the narrative of our macroeconomic uncertainty. I love it when you talk about economics, Doug. It makes me feel like my... <laughs> I touched about that much of it. I love it. No, it makes me feel like my entire career was not for nothing. Yeah. So thank you for that. Um, yeah. You know, one, of the first, one of the first things I do whenever I see prognostications about growth is I, I look at the numbers based on last year and the year before that. Are they adjusted for inflation? So I don't know if the study you looked at was adjusted for inflation. And when adjusted for inflation, it's still generally pretty good. Um, Not great, but right now our expectations are so low that we don't need, we don't really need some blockbuster quarter to really get people excited. What we we just need to see is some degree of growth, mainline growth. And when you're talking about an expectation of three to 5%, Okay, you know when when a typical holiday growth would have been like an eight percent, three to five percent. I think we're all going to be doing you know cartwheels down at the Fed if we can pull something like that off. So mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think that we're going to have a pretty good holiday season, um, and the reason for that is going to be like you said, clearing of inventories. People are all employed. Not all. A lot of America is currently employed, and there is a uh, a degree of exuberance. I'm not going to call it irrational, but exuberance for uh, people's current state in life. I think that it would be, it would be poorly founded to look at the holiday seasonal sales as a positive indicator of current American economic health when there are so many underlying critical factors that are really playing against us. Everything from commercial real estate to the orders being down so preposterously coming out of China American saving habits, and let's not even begin to start with debt uh, and where Americans are with debt. So will Americans go out and spend a bunch of money they don't have for Christmas? Hell yeah. Yeah, you know, that's that's the American way. Um, do I think it's going to be as great as the year before or the year before that? No, I do not. But again, mm-hmm. with expectations being low, Doug, it's not hard to hit that barbell. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, we usually agree with each other. And I, I, I think that um, I would disagree. You're the... Um, the economics whiz, and I certainly am not. So maybe my comments and things are, are a little bit naive, but retail drive, I was looking to make sure people could reference this. Retail drive, which is uh, a company focused on the retail um, segment, and then Adobe Analytics and Digital Services, where those statistics came from. So I was looking just now, there is no reference to adjusted for inflation. So that could be easily the reason for the four, the $4 billion adjustment. But I still think shit's going to get balanced out People are going to buy, and it's going to be a good trend going into 2024. Um, and I like it. I like it. Well, it could be the last tiny little scoop, you know, last, last little scoop of ice cream you get before you got to throw the container away. Mm-hmm. That's probably it, Doug. <laughs> good. Yeah. 
sometimes that scoop is good and sometimes it's bad. Yeah. So. Well, enjoy your last scoop, kids. Yes. All right, yeah. man. I like your both of your topics. They're one of them I love. So you, you pick whichever one you want to go first, but balls in your court. Well, overnight we had some um not unexpected news of a new president being elected in Argentina. I never say his last name right, but Javier Malay, I think is how you say his last name. That's what we um, came up with. Yeah. He he uh, he is regularly referred to as the Whig. He's also called the Lion, um, but they call him the Whig because he has some some serious hair. Uh, as Doug was saying, he's uh, before we started today, he's got mutton chops. It's like a modern day sort of Elvis looking kind of a cat. He is very ostentatious, extremely theatrical. Um, he's also an economist. He's an economist. The man is a college professor. He's an economist, and he looks at the outrageous rampant inflation happening in Argentina, looks at a 40% poverty rate, which is incredible if you think mm -hmm. about it, and says, we can do better as a nation. And on a populist wave of really conservative, I mean, super conservative values of cutting government spending, eradicating grift, getting rid of a lot of the corruption that he sees in every single level of their government, he believes that it wouldn't take very long for the nation of Argentina to right-size itself. One of the first things that he intends to do is to move Argentina off of its uh, its current currency into the U.S. dollar. This has gotten some you know, pockets of interest in the news today. Um, it's one of the first articles that will come up when you read about his, his platform. And why would he do that? He's doing it in a hopes that as the American currency begins to deflate, as America's economy begins to flatten out, probably get a little bit more predictable. It will allow for more predictable Argentine economy as well, and a more predictable Argentine currency. Many countries have done this in the past, not the least of which, and a very interesting success story being Costa Rica, who also did the exact same thing at the exact right time and reaped incredible benefits. Argentina as a nation has always had so much potential, but has never quite made it from the global standpoint that people thought that it should. It has a very large workforce. It's set up very well for logistics and has tremendous um, individual raw resources. They're also a consumption economy. So in his hopes, in his dreams, this will be step one of trying to right-size the economy while also reaching out to multiple nations to look for more liberalized trade. He's not just saying it'll be with the United States and with Western Europe. No, he's talking about China. He's talking about Mexico and the rest of Latin America. So there's a lot of exuberance. There's a lot of excitement. But anytime I hear about a South American leader deciding to shake up corruption, I think it's only a matter of time before, you know, he might have a, an untimely end due to acute lead poisoning to the brain. <laughs> You made, I had not even thought of that, Pete, when, when we were chatting before the show here about, about that, that first of all, the guy is a, a comic highlight reel, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if you go online and just look, there's like a montage of him with a uh, chainsaw. He dresses up and does performances and, and does parody songs about the economy. I think you mentioned he was in front of a chalkboard just ripping off, um, you know, different yeah, yeah, different agencies and within the organization. And that will drive interest and it'll drive the voters. We get the voters excited, right? But now that he's in, he's not dealing with voters anymore. He's dealing with the old the old guard. And um, and we'll see how much uh, impact he can make. I, I don't know. I mean, his, he's gregarious. He's 
he's a, a little bit off center. Um, so we'll see. But I think you have a comment. We'll see how much of his banter and antics will go beyond just getting elected. And I hope that uh, that doesn't happen, what you said in the end there. But there could be a chance where um, uh, people just don't put up with it that are really now involved with controlling his uh, his comments and destinies and, and policies. So it'll be interesting. People are, are already comparing him to Trump, which I don't think is a fair comparison. Yes, he is definitely entertaining. He says outrageous things. And he's trying to single-handedly change the direction, the entire course of a whole economy. Um, but as you point out, Doug, you can't, governments are not run by one person anymore. And he's going to run up against other people with other ideas and other, um, you know, other, other North Stars that he's going to come up against, like, you know, human resource, human caring about people and trying to get things done for people. And when you have a 40% poverty rate, the idea of getting rid of the Department of Education, which he called the Department of Indoctrination, um, you know, you're a good, a good, a good nation starts with a well-educated populace. I don't know. We'll see where this guy goes with all of it. But as somebody who looks at his tax bill and just wants to light something on fire, I can see where he probably got a lot of folks excited about him. Yeah. We'll watch yeah. this one closely here at Global Trade this week. Absolutely. And that uh, shifts us gears into our halftime um, brought to you by Cap Logistics. Um, they have uh, Keenan up in uh, Breckenridge, the mountains, enjoying things today. So caplogistics.com for your logistics and transportation needs. Check them out. And now, as I said, this is the Thanksgiving edition. So we'll kind of jump into it a little bit. So Pete, you had some good topics to roll on this one. So I'll let you go first. Yeah, I had to get an MRI today um, on my on my leg. I've All had right. some, yeah, I've had some problems with a quad strain for a while now. And I went to get my MRI today and my MRI technician just trying to make, you know, banter trying to calm this big old man down was like hey uh got any big plans for thanksgiving and he's trying to talk to me and i was like yeah virginia i'm just talking and he's like oh you know i'm I'm really looking forward to getting together with my family big french canadian family I'm like god just shut up and take pictures of my leg you know and i i i hold thanksgiving very um very close to my heart because i love the idea and i take it i take it at its core of being thankful for my family thankful for my ability to, to to care for my family, my friends, being very thankful for the nation that I live in. Um, but, you know, man, there's a lot of Thanksgiving stuff to me that's like things on the table that my family's white trash stuff that we ate that no one else ate, like ambrosia salad, which is basically Love it. You know, fruit, fruit, um, canned fruit with Cool Whip and coconuts and chocolate chips in it. How do you, how can you call it a salad, right? And being Texan, there's really very rarely a meal that doesn't involve beef. So yeah, we'd have turkey, but we'd also have a prime rib on my table. And uh, depending on what part of the family we were with, it was either bone dry because they were very Southern Baptist, or it was just an absolutely alcohol fueled shit show. It was one way or the other. Um, I enjoyed the shit shows, frankly. Um, but yeah, really? you know, um, yeah, really, huh? I'm, I'm excited for Thanksgiving. Um, I don't know, Doug. So what are you thankful for this year? Nice. Well, first of all, when your kids leave and you're on the, I'm on the end of that, you're on the beginning of it. It's always nice to have them come home. So I'm thankful for the family as, tr as cliche as that definitely sounds when they're not around and they come back, you kind of, uh, you know, um, you really miss them. You don't know what it's gone. You don't know what you got till it's gone kind of thing. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And this will be 
the last Thanksgiving that we have in the house that we raised our family and my daughter was born and she was like six months old when we moved in. And uh, like I, Pete, I'll tell the, everybody, but we're, we're moving and we were able to keep our house through the end of the year. So this is the last Thanksgiving, then there'll be the last Christmas for our family. So that's kind of special as well. Um, but yeah, I was in Lawrence, <laughs> excuse me, this past weekend visiting my daughter and I went to the KUK State football game. Unfortunately, Kansas did not win, but saw tons of friends and and it was awesome. And the big thing with, with college kids now is Friendsgiving. There were two back-to-back Friendsgiving parties that my daughter was going to. So I don't remember Friendsgiving when I was growing up. It was just uh, kind of like what you said, debauchery at the uh, w- with the wine at at dinner. But that's a big thing now. And maybe that's been around for a while. I just didn't know about it. But Friendsgiving is a hot button at the University of Kansas with uh, 21-year-old girls. I think it's dumb. Um, <laughs> I'm going to put Friendsgiving in the same category as pumpkin spice everything. And, yeah. uh, you know, oh, it's sweater weather. Let's put on our Uggs. Just shut up. Shut up. Please shut up about all of it. You know, you know what Friendsgiving was for me, Doug? It was the night before Thanksgiving what? when all my buddies and I would get together at the local watering hole and get polluted. That's what Friendsgiving was. It was the night before when we would meet at a bar because we we hadn't seen each other in forever and we would mm-hmm. get looped and then wake up the next morning and go to the football game to watch our high school play rival central shout out to the Trinity pioneers who won the state championship this year, rock on. Um, but you know, the next, the next morning we'd wake up hung over and spend it with our family. You have to have another holiday because you you've got to, got to have a day with you and all your friends be thankful. You know, it's called a dinner party. Shut up. Right. Order your pizzas and have your luau or whatever it is you do for your friends giving. Grow up. Okay. Have a dinner party. Ask your friends to come over. Have genteel conversation. Put on some jazz. I don't know. Smoke a little devil's cabbage and act like adults for the afternoon. Friends giving. It's just so contrived. It's like every, every we've got to, we got to create all these little safe spaces for all these kids today. Grow up. Grow up. And that's coming from a guy with his hat on backwards. Okay. That's- Grow up. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, we'll have to talk next week about what actually transpired at each one of the dinner tables uh, here in a couple of days. So that's good. Well, I'm sure that my 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 leftist um, my my leftist um, um, God slightly Marxist daughter will probably upset everyone at Thanksgiving. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. 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 Man. All right, buddy. I'm going to jump into my sec- second topic, and we'll get this. Uh, party wound down. So, excuse me. So Shein, right? It's the, um, what do you call it? The fast casual. Um, I I can't think of, give me the, give me the right word there. I'm trying to think of a casual, quick commerce, e-commerce company. Yeah. They're, they're they're not of inexpensive. Yeah. Yeah. This thing's this thing's going down a wormhole already. I can't even think of the topic, what I'm talking about, but the, uh, the quick commerce, right? Um, quick retail. So anyway, they're, um, Shein's supply chain, not only are there, are there, are there, their methods of how they just kick out clothes based on trends and influencers within days and get them overseas. Um, there's been a lot of draw with some of their supply chain and, and, uh, not necessarily transportation supply chain, but apparently there was a couple of influencers that uh, got some behind the scenes look at some of the factories and how they mass produce um, uh, their clothing and their items. And um, they were able to walk in and look at some factory conditions 
And uh, the end result was the influencers painted uh, a picture of favorable compliments, right? So I pulled a quote that I'm going to read here. So one of the influencers said, I expected the facility to be so filled with people just slaving away, but I was actually pleasantly surprised that most of these things were robotic. Honestly, everyone was just working normal, like chill, sitting down. They weren't even sweating. If, if That's the quote. So if you can't just smoke and mirror that thing with these influencers, it's unbelievable. I think that um, there's, there's issues there, I think, as you pull the onion back with um, the labor force they're pulling and having a pretty picture and bringing in a young influencer and showing them what they want to show is not a, um, a direct reflection of what's going on there. So unfortunately, I think that industry is guilty until proven innocent, but it's Chinese driven factories and where there's smoke, there's sometimes fire. But uh, I think that we'll see more and more of the industry, not necessarily specific to Xi'an, um, uh, really be exposed for um, uh, some practices that are just don't align with, um, you know, the the, um, uh, the conditions that the younger generation wants, which is, you know, um, it's, um, I, I don't know, the, the bigger analysis on the fast fashion, that's what the word I was looking for, fast fashion. The disposable nature of the whole process, it's counter to in the environment, sustainability, and uh, that kind of goes against the mantra of some of the younger consumers. So it's an interesting dynamic that will continue to play out. Um, but as of right now, there's eight influencers out there that think the factories are just perfect and there's no issues whatsoever. And I'm sure that all those influencers have a wonderful Friendsgiving. Um, they probably have a couple hundred people over for them. Uh, you know... This company, unfortunately, was the target of a lot of customs enforcement recently where they allegedly, you know, we have to say that off the bat here, allegedly were found to have cotton that had been produced in the Uyghur nation. And because of the way that these goods were coming into the country through the specific, um, uh, you know, Chapter 86 de minimis program with customs, they were not being inspected in a way that would be as when you bring stuff in under uh, a manifest entry, only a small number of a large multiple number of e-commerce shipments are actually probably going to be inspected. So as customs has gotten much, much better at reviewing goods as they come in, they've been using uh, genetic testing on cotton to determine where stuff comes from. And now Shen finds themselves wrapped up in a very political ugly, ugly argument about the use of forced labor in, um, in that particular region. I don't think that there's a lot of good news in this for them. Um, right now, Congress is looking for every possible way to sanction companies that are, are doing this type of work. It's only going to get their stuff inspected more. And in fast fashion, you want it fast. If it's being inspected more, if the stuff is being you know held up for who knows, months at a time, I think that ultimately it's going to slow down their ability to make their customers happy by getting the crap they want cheap, quickly, and expensively. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not sold on the idea that the the party's just going to keep raging on this stuff, Doug. And mm -hmm. you can send as many influencers on your tickety talk as you want. Customs has got technology, and they're 100 going to get their foot in the door on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be the end of the fast, fast fashion industry that was uh, yeah. just want to keep saying it yeah good point all right man bring us home what's your uh second 
topic for today. Yeah, doom and gloom for final topic, unfortunately. Shocker. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Hootie helicopter raid on civilian ships. So what we're seeing, unfortunately, right now happening in the Middle East region is terrorist activity by what can best be described as non-nation states, rogue nation um, enforcement agencies attacking legitimate commercial vessels and in doing so disrupting maritime traffic. The United States has has really pulled back on their willingness to protect the seaways because what they've realized is they're mostly protecting Chinese financial interest. And we have a whole portion of the world in that Suez Canal region that is so important, so vital to American energy concerns, um, a lot of aid as well. It's not stop to mention that. And for decades, we have kept a strong arm in that part of the world. And it's a terrifying place to have maritime operations with so much danger all around it. This news report did not get the attention that it deserves. If you continue to see disruption of maritime trade through the Suez Canal, to be able to get energy safely from where it is to where it needs to be, it would add months, literally months to the supply chain of energy. Um, and in doing so, it would also disrupt supply chains just from its very core. Doug, this is a big problem. I think that they understand it is. I mean, there's been so many war games that have been done about this, so much insight that's been put on it by the U.S. Navy and by our allied navies. This is a very big problem. I think you're going to see more and more of it over the next couple of weeks until something is done about what's going on in the Middle East. Yeah. Well, when I saw this topic, the first thing I thought about was what we spoke about last week or two weeks ago when you were on, that with the... Um, Panama Canal and the uh, situation down there with the water level and U.S. Uh, grain exports are going through the Suez Canal. So not only is there a problem with fuel and the uncertainty in what we're seeing actually starting to happen, now we're sending ships to that same region, region full of food. And um, I, it just food, fuel going into the beast of the belly. It just is ripe. I mean, I'm just a dude from, you know, grew up, I'm just a kid from Kansas. And if I can see that in the potential problems that it's just laying out, um, I, I don't understand why we would do that. I mean, it's financial related, right? You got to sell the grain, you got to move it. You can't go through your normal port because of delays. Let's go, boys. Let's just jam it through the Suez Canal. Well, all of a sudden there's bombings and everything with the uh, with fuel. I, I could see it become pretty dire pretty quick if they decide to do the same thing with the food supply chain that they're doing with the fuel. And wait till insurance companies get a hold of this, Doug. Oh, it's, it's only going to yeah. get worse, pal. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that wraps it up um, for this edition of Global Trade this week. Before we sign off, I wanted to make a comment, Pete. We're going someplace on December 5th and 6th. Tell me about that. We're going to Boca Raton, buddy. Yes. Pete, Pete and Doug take Boca for the TAPA conference. Uh, we've been invited to do the show live at TAPA, and we will. I'm very excited to record our show for the good people at TAPA. We'll be discussing whatever the, the latest exciting topics of international trade are. I imagine we'll take questions as well and doing it in front of a live audience. So very excited to do that. Very um, thankful to the good people at TAPA for inviting us. And um, hopefully you'll be able, to be able to be there to join us. So looking forward to seeing folks there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. We got, um, I think, at least one more episode before that happens. So until then, I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, and if you have any comments, criticisms about the show, 
jump on LinkedIn and all the different, what's that? Any criticisms, you can keep them to yourself. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Just do a thumbs up and like the episodes and keep your comments to yourself. I like that. So, yeah. all right. Till next time, Pete, we'll catch you next week. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I'll be interested to see how it p- plays out on the next edition of Global Trade this week. See you, buddy. Thanks, see you. Bye.